So this week's topic comes from special request. Uh, we are kind of completing the trilogy. Of, uh, two weeks ago, we started in India, talking about Hinduism, and then went to a, re- a region of India and saw how Buddhism came out of that. But for every good sequel, there always has to be a third. There's got to be a trilogy. This week, we're looking at one of the other large religions that comes from a history of Hinduism and the Indian subcontinent. We're going to be looking at something that you may or may not know much about, but I can almost guarantee you, you've seen somebody who practices uh, because they have a very distinct look about them. And so when you see someone, in, if you're going into town, whatever, uh, you see someone wearing a turban, we can have a lot of assumptions about their religion, but this one is a fairly safe assumption that they are what is known as a Sikh. They're a practitioner of Sikhi or Sikhism. Um, because, well, we'll get to why they wear turbans. It's coming. We'll get there. But that was a, a religion that started in the Indian subcontinent toward the end of the 15th century. So as far as religions go... That's a, it's a baby. It is a brand new, on the grand scope of time, of religious history. It's going around a couple hundred years. Whereas the church is 2,000 years old, there are some that go back further. Judaism, all the way back to the very beginning. So this is a very new religion. And it comes from uh, a man who was Hindu, but like we've seen time and time again, thought there had to be more. This couldn't be quite right. Uh, All these things that I'm doing, it's not getting me any closer to God. And so this guy became known as Guru Nanak. Guru just as a title means teacher. So you've got like rabbi, guru, all the same thing. We're very creative when we come up with names and nicknames. Oh, you're teaching? You're a teacher. Okay, I'm going to call you teacher. But he taught something that was pretty radical. What was that second name? Guru? Uh, Guru Nanak. N-A-N-A-K. But we've seen it uh, had a, there were lots of different gods, practices where some would worship one, some would worship many. Um, but he taught that there is only one God. I think we can get on board with that. Uh, this God, it is a God that we can't see, doesn't quite have like a physical body. 
but it is everywhere. That if you want to get close to God, you have to live a good life. A life that is active, creative, search for practical truthfulness, <coughs> fidelity, self-control, purity. That's more important than anything else. That's what's going to get you to God. <coughs> and that whatever you, how you act, is really more important than what you believe. Because, well, he taught that it is more important to act in a good way than it is to actually have truth. Like an absolute truth. He said all of these religions, they're both all true and they're not true at the same time. Because truth doesn't really matter. What matters is how you live your life. And he got some, he got some followers in teaching and growing and growing. And each one would appoint when it was before Guru Nanak died. He appointed a successor, who then appointed a successor, and so on, and so on, and so on. Continued for decades, about 100 years, 200 years, give or take. And then the 10th guru, he said, I am the 10th guru. I, you know what? I just don't see passing this down. To someone. And so when it came time to appoint a successor, he said the scriptures, the things that we've taught, the things that we've written, things that we read, that is now going to be your teacher. And it's going to be the eternal teacher. So all this time, we have been, there's been one guy in charge. From now on, no one's in charge. The scriptures are in charge. Yeah. We, can, can, we can kind of get on board with that. I mean, we are Protestants, after all. Um, we're on board in having the Bible be our final authority. So they're no longer led by a human guru. There's no hierarchy. Everything it comes from your translation of the scriptures. They call it guru, teacher, guru, granth, sahib. That's the collective writings of the ten gurus. And what they say, God is the ultimate teacher. The ultimate, incomprehensible creator who is invisible, Timeless, without form. And God has no gender, but in the scriptures, God is metaphorically presented as male, but God's power is female. Okay. Scripture verse on that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll do some digging. <laughs> but, so what, what their goals are, because 
The goal is to live your life as a good person. You have faith in God, the one God. You meditate on that one God. And you strive for unity and equality of all humankind. Because humans are special. We, for them, we are the ultimate creation. And in order to properly worship and serve, you have to selflessly serve the ultimate creation, each other. And to do that, you have to strive for prosperity, justice, and the benefit of everyone on earth. Sounds kind of intimidating. You also have to be honest. You have to have honesty in your life, in your livelihood. But then they also say that the teachings from other religions are good. They're beneficial. They can help you be a good person. But they don't have a monopoly. They don't have a monopoly on the truth. They're all true, and none of them are true. And so, as you seek out, you search for how to be a good person, follow the scriptures, ultimately, when you die, the final destination is not a place. It's not heaven, it's not hell, but it's just going to union with God. That eternal creator, invisible force. You get to be with that. And now, if you're not good, if you're not following everything, uh, they do accept karma. We've been calling, we've been coming back to karma. And this, there is a very real possibility that you will be reincarnated. Don't do it right. Get reincarnated. But God, this eternal, incomprehensible thing, is gracious. It modifies that karma. Modifies that reincarnation. And so even if you don't do it well or perfectly, this invisible force is gracious. And we'll probably accept you back. Accept you into that union. But they're fairly adamant that this is not just a religion. It's a philosophy. It's a worldview. Because no religions are right. So this thing that we practice and devote ourselves, our lives to, it's not a religion. It's just a philosophy. That means it's a religion. And you can be as dedicated as you want. A lot of people are born into it. But you don't have to be. Like, if you are going to commit your life to this, you have to be initiated. You actually have to be baptized. And so if you talk with your community, the, they don't typically have like religious leaders, like priests, 
things, but there are always people who will kind of help guide others along. Um, and if you say, this is for me. I'm going to do this. I'm going to live my life this way. You have a big party, and when you go, and you are ceremonially washed, baptized, pour water all over you, you'll say some prayers. Um, there's a special drink that they put in one cup, and everybody who's being initiated drinks from that cup. Does that sound weird? <laughs> it better not. We have <laughs> Because we all drink from the same cup. <laughs> but you dedicate your life to it. You're baptized because you are a new person. You're, you're given a new name. Given a new name. And if you're a guy, whatever your name was, don't keep your first name. But you have a new last name. So if you're initiated, your last name is now Singh. S-I-N-G-H. You might know some people with that name. Mm-hmm. Siri, Siri Doctor. Yeah. 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 And he wears a turban, so does that mean he's that, mm-hmm. on that face? Yeah. I mean, I haven't met him, but I would guess so. <laughs> uh, and if yeah. you've always that same last name? If you are... A baptized, initiated, they'll call it different things. Mm-hmm. Now, we can play around with how official the names are. Uh-huh. That doesn't mean you're not going out and getting a judge to certify that you have a new name. Uh-huh. But it is a, some people will do that. Uh-huh. Or it could be more, like, I'm taking on this name. Mm-hmm. <coughs> but sing, it just means lion. That was the doctor too, wasn't it? B.J. Singh. Mm-hmm. What's the meaning? It means lion. A golfer. A golfer. What was his name? B.J. Singh. Remember him? Yeah, sure. He's still kicking around. He is. He's nice. He's playing. He's You'll get a new name too, don't worry. Um, but your new name is going to be Cower. K A U R. And that just means K A U R. And that means princess. You are not a princess. I have never heard that name. I've never heard that name. Yeah. 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 But after you are initiated, you've committed your life to this. You've committed to doing, wear, wearing on your body five things. To symbolize to everyone around you, they know that you are a Sikh. A Sikh. You are a Sikh. A practitioner of Sikhism. That way everyone around you knows. And it always reminds you of what you committed your life for, to. The first one is called Kesh. That means you will never cut your hair again. 
You don't trim your beard. You don't shave. You don't cut your hair. Because you are God's ultimate creation. And your hair is a part of you. And if you're going to alter your hair, if you're going to shave it off, you're saying, God, you did not make me like I should have been. I'm not, I'm not designed well. I'm, men and women. Well, I'll take your hair. That's good. Like <laughs> 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 you need any more of that turban on. Yeah. 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 But you are honoring God and honoring yourself and how you are created by accepting who you are as you are. God, You're, I kind of like that. This is a, a large, large religion. It is one of the top five by population. Around there. It's top ten, but it kind of fluctuates depending on where we are in the world population-wise. But, so you're not cutting your hair, but you're always gonna wear a comb in your hair, a small wooden comb, because although you're not <coughs> cutting your hair, you comb your hair twice a day, because to be neat and clean and tidy. You are taking care of your body that you have been given. And so if you let your body be unkempt, that is dishonoring God and dishonoring yourself. So you're always going to comb your hair and then you'll wrap it up. Now here comes the jewelry. You'll always wear an iron bracelet on your wrist. An iron, a bracelet made of iron, because it is a constant reminder that God is eternal, certain, never has no beginning, and it has no end, and it reminds you it is on your hand, because whatever you do with your hands has to be in keeping with Scripture, keeping with the teachings. It is a constant reminder. Be careful what you're doing. Be careful what you're doing with your hands. And then, you're also going to wear, it's called kachera. Everything starts with a K, so it's very easy to remember. The kachera is underwear. It's a special underwear, and it looks just like gym shorts. And you're going to wear them all the time. Whatever you're wearing on the outside, you're always going to be wearing that. What those are, they're a, everything is a reminder, a symbol. You know how in the Bible it says to keep your loins girded? Very similar thing. To gird your loins, when in that day and age, 
you wore those long flowing robes. And it's hard to run in a robe. Believe me, there have been multiple Sundays where I have needed to run wearing a robe. And it is hard. So what you did was you would gird your loins. So you would take that robe, kind of bunch it up, so your legs can move freely. That way you can run. That way you can fight. And the kachera, it is very similar. They look like gym shorts. They are a symbol of willingness to always have your, we would say, have your loins girded. Be ready at a moment's notice for battle or defense. And you have to be willing, constantly ready, to do what needs to be done. And to do that, you're also going to carry on you at all times. It's called a, a curb Kirpan. K-I-R-P-A-N. And what that means is it's a dagger or a small sword. So I would be very nice to your doctor if they are a practitioner. If they are a Sikh, be careful because more they will probably have a knife on them. <laughs> so I would listen to what they say. What, what was the name of the dagger again? Kirpan. Kirpan, depending on how you want to pronounce it. But what you do, you're always going to carry that dagger. Because you always have to be ready to come to the defense of someone in peril. You can only, you can't use it to uh, open packages or uh, cut a steak that's a little too well done. All the things that we use our pocket knives for. You can only use it to defend yourself and defend others. Because it, it is your duty to help those who suffer unjustly. By whatever means necessary, you always have to be ready for battle. To do what is right. To do what is good. And I can get on board with a lot of this. I'm cool carrying a knife everywhere. And you, you will see, if you go into places where like weapons are prohibited, there's always an exception for re religious uh, knives for religious reasons. And that is because of them. Because there have been people in places where they were not allowed to carry knives, they said, this is what I believe. This is what I do. This is how God has created me. And I'm going to, I have to carry this to honor God. And so you can in a lot of places. Now, these are depending on who it is, because it is open to a lot of interpretation, that dagger is probably going to be blunt. Because, well, they don't want you to have a sharp knife in the school. So it's going to be blunt, or it's going to be glued into a sheath. But you always have to carry it with you. Not because you're going to use it, 
but to remind you that you have to be willing and able to do whatever is necessary to do what's right. These are a lot of good things, but it's missing one thing. A lot of these religions that we've looked at, we've talked about, they teach you how to be a good person. We should all be good people. But one crucial thing that they lack is that there's no truth. No one has a monopoly on the truth. All religions are true, and none of them are true. But we know that that's not the case. We know that it's not just being a good person that's going to get us in with God. It's not just doing what's right that's going to send it, allow us to go to heaven, to be in union with God. It's Jesus. And Jesus says, there is a truth. I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if Jesus is true, he's the absolute truth, then he is the absolute way. He's the only way. Because you can't have it both ways. You can't just take one part of what Jesus said and say, I don't like this other part. So if you're just working this out yourself through the scriptures, what do they consider the scriptures to be? They have uh, like the collected teachings of the gurus. So it's not like it's the Bible. It, it's not the Bible. It's not the Bible. Okay. The Bible is used for good lessons or morality tales, but they would just as soon use Aesop's fables or whatever, whatever you need to help you follow this path. A lot of responsibility on you. It's all about what you do. It's all about what you do. Not what Jesus has done. Hmm. What determines good for them? Does it line up with their, the beliefs that have been passed down through the gurus, the teachers? You have a good to them might not be good to us. What's, what's good to you? to be good. That's good. Yeah. You get to kind of pick and choose. Probably not going to be actually good for everybody. Not, all, not everybody does all of the things, much like with Christianity. Not everybody does all of the things. There are some who are devoted Sikhs who will never be baptized. And for them, that's okay. There are some who say, I will wear two, three, four, four other things. But that fifth one, I can't do so they know, they'll say, I'm not going to be baptized. I'm not going to be initiated. I'm going to take what I want and leave the other one out. 
It's good for them, not for me. Good for you. I can't do it. And so, you kind of get to pick and choose. If they don't do all four, they don't get to change their name, though. No. Okay, if they don't get the baptism, I mean, what that has to be. You have to have that, or you can't, your last name can't be seen. Right. Okay. Now, there will be people who, they'll take that name, they'll change their name, mm-hmm. and then they'll pass that name on down, kind of like we do. Like you would have people back in the day take baptismal names and say, I was this person, you know, I'm this, and this is the name that I'm going to pass down. They'll do that. But it's all about what you want. It's about what you figure is right. That's not the truth. Jesus is the truth. If he's the truth, then other things can be truthful. They can be good. They can be nice. That there's only one truth, and there's only one truth. And we don't get to pick and choose what that truth is. A lot of us will try. I would love to. It just doesn't work that way. And that's what separates us from almost all of these religions that we've looked at. So what's the turban about? It's to keep, keep, your, keep your head, your hair wrapped. Beards, stand their knees? Some. If you've been doing it long enough and your hair grows that well, mm-hmm. can be. It's not very neat and tidy. <laughs> That's why you got to comb it up. Yeah. You got to get that nice shampoo going. Bob, don't even think that. You can turn this this particular religion or whatever you call it um, at any time in your life. Great for the individuality of today's world. Do what I want to do when I want to do it. Yeah, it ultimately boils down to that question that was in the gospel the other day. Jesus asked, Who do you say that I am? That's the question we have to continually ask ourselves. Who do you say that I am? Leave you with that. I'll leave you with that question. Go in peace to sign up for that golf tournament. <laughs> <laughs> and watch your 